Burke's Walk for Tippet at uh, 3 to 5, and then the service tomorrow. And then Lois Pierce, y'all remember Jalen and Darren and Michael, Marsha Pierce and Glenn Pierce, their mother Lois passed away yesterday. So we just got word on that this morning. And so we'll be knowing when the services are for that coming up soon. And then uh, Pastor Samuel's Uncle Bo, this is Wes and Lisa's brother. He's in hospice this morning and they call the family in and they don't think it's going to be very long. And so, you know, we're always having these things. That's not much of a celebration for Father's Day. But again, you know, the Bible says that we should rejoice on the day that someone dies and we should mourn on the day when they're born. We don't quite get that because we're all in the here and now. But there is a heaven and there is more than this life. And this is not all that there is. God ordained something so much bigger than this. And so they are actually stepping into eternity forever. And we know that they love the Lord and that they're going to spend forever in heaven. And when you think about the people that we have on the other side, but that's where your faith is the greatest, I think, when you're faced with death. Because you have to say, I really believe there is something more. This is not goodbye. This is see you soon. And so we're all going, that's, that's our goal. And I hope that I can encourage you today. I know that's kind of like a sad way to start. I don't even know where that came from. But uh, I was thinking about, you know, all the fathers in the Bible. You know, and there's a lot of fathers in the Bible, believe it or not. And, you know, I couldn't pick out one that I was like, this is the one we need to be like. Or the fathers need to be like. And then I thought, well, that's kind of a good thing. God did not fill his word up with perfect people that we just have to think, oh, I have this ideal that I have to act this way or be this way or, or uh, do this thing in order to be a good father. But God used imperfect people all throughout his word to carry out his will and his purposes for their lives and for the nation. And so God is going to use you just who you are. All your imperfections. He still loves you anyway. And he's going to use you just how you are. All you have to do is just be you. Love Jesus and strive to make better decisions every day. Christ-like decisions every day. So I'm going to talk about six characteristics of a godly father this morning. And I'm going to use the letters in the word father. F-A-T-H-E-R. So we're going to start out with the letter F. And we're going to talk about the first thing you need to do to be a godly father is to be a man of faith. And so what does that mean, to be a man of faith? Well, first of all, you need to be faithful to God. I encourage you, if you haven't already done it, you know, we had a baptism here last week. And I think we may be having one again next week. I know that there was someone else talking about getting baptized. So we're going to be having some more baptisms. And that's exciting because the first thing you need to do is ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior and invite him into your heart. And that is the best thing you can do as a father, as a man, to, to uh, be an example to your family, to live a life that's going to be fulfilled and full of joy and hope and happiness. Because what greater hope, what hope is there if you don't know Jesus? There's just not any if we don't have Jesus. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I have a friend who's a nurse, and one time she had this lady come in, and, and uh, she was like at the direct care, and, and the lady was just complaining, and she said, oh, well, 
you know, maybe your family. She said, oh, no, no, she had something negative to say about her family. And then she said something else, and she's like, oh, no, no. And everything that my friend said, that lady was just so negative. And finally, my friend said, it's Denise, if y'all know, y'all know Denise. She said, well, I'll pray for you. And that lady said, oh, I'm an atheist. And Denise said, well, I won't tell you what Denise said, but she said, uh, you just have no hope, basically, is what she said. But anyway, <laughs> so she's like, there's just nothing you could do for that lady. But y'all know Denise, and it's pretty, she's pretty straightforward and spoken when she did. But there's no hope. So the first thing you have to do is accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then lead your family to church. And so we appreciate the fact, we know that attending church is not what's going to get us to heaven. But it's going to give us some benefits here on earth. When you come to church, you'll be encouraged. You will build unity within your family. It gives you an opportunity to build godly relationships. Because sometimes we get so stuck in our little group that we don't even know how to get out of it. And we need someone to mentor us and help us. It lets you have godly relationships with like-minded men. It'll offer a support group for when you struggle and set an example of faith for your children to follow. And then the next thing is not so much fun, but you have to be faithful to work. So faithful to the Lord and faithful to work. Uh, Genesis 3.19 says, In the sweat of your face shall you eat bread until you return into the ground. And so that's kind of a yucky scripture. (laughs) But that's kind of what happened in the garden. When they sinned, God said, Well, here, here you go. You're going to have to work for everything you get now. It's not just going to be handed to you on a silver platter for the rest of your life, but you're going to have to work by the sweat of your brow. And so we thank God that he gives us grace, and I think that's where savings and retirement can come in. <laughs> but we know that you have to work to survive in this world, and uh, the Bible talks about that. There's many scriptures that talk about being a provision for your family. And so I was thinking of a biblical example of a faithful father in the Bible, and I think that I would choose Joseph, Jesus' father. So Joseph, he was a just man. Matthew 1.19 says he was a just man. And he showed love and mercy toward Mary because when he first found out she was pregnant, he knew it wasn't his. And he said he was going to put her away privately. And we know that in Bible times, that was... She could have been put to death. If he would have made a public example of her, she would have been stoned to death. But he was going to just put her away privately. So the first thing is, he did have care and concern and grace for her. And the second thing is, Joseph was sensitive to the voice of God. When the angel appeared to him in a dream, he could have said, Oh no, I ate bad falafel last night. That was not God. But no, he didn't. He said, Okay. I hear the word of the Lord, and I'm going to believe. So that took a lot of faith. I mean, he just had a dream, and he just had to believe that it was true. And he went ahead and took Mary as his wife. And then he didn't sleep with her. So he took her as his wife, and then he didn't sleep with her until after she had Jesus. And we know that that wouldn't have changed anything with Jesus. He would have been fine, but... He had respect enough for the Lord and for this baby that she was carrying that he did not even sleep. He waited to sleep with her. One preacher said he didn't even know her. And he said he like thought he really didn't know her, but he did know who she was. He just didn't sleep with her. And then the next thing is he worked. Joseph was a carpenter. 
And not only did he work, but he taught Jesus how to be a carpenter too. And so we think about this day and age, families don't look like they always used to look. One mom, one dad, two kids, and a dog, right? Sometimes divorce enters into a family or one fit on one parent or another may pass away. Sometimes kids are raised by their grandkids or stepfathers and stepmothers and blended families. Well, Joseph was the first example we have of someone raising someone else's child. And when uh, Jesus was 12 years old, they went to Nazareth as a family to the Sabbath to worship. And when they were headed home, they realized Jesus wasn't in the crowd. Because, you know, they traveled in a huge group, and all the family was with them, and Jesus wasn't there. And it was a three-day journey before they got back to find where he was. And he was in the temple with the elders confounding them. And they said, why did you do this to us? And he said, didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? Well, I kind of think that's like, you're not my daddy. You know, nowadays, you know, parents want to, I mean, kids want to pull that card because they can. But that is not legitimate. I'm sure that Joseph had some words with Jesus over that. Because the Bible says that Jesus went home and was subject unto them. In other words, Jesus obeyed Joseph. Now, I'm not saying, I mean, Jesus was perfect. We know that. But I'm still saying he was learning. He was 12 years old. And he had to probably be disciplined just like any other 12-year-old would have to be disciplined. And that leads me to my, nether, my next letter, the letter A, authority. As fathers, we give you authority. You know, as a school teacher, I realize kids want authority, whether you know it or not. You do. You like to know what the boundaries are. They excel when they have set rules. If they know they're not going to get away with it, they kind of know what those boundaries are, and then they know if they do try to do something, there's going to be a disciplinary action to follow. So kids love boundaries. People love boundaries. When you're in a job, I mean, Jacob's talked about this. When he's in a new job, he's like, if I know what I'm supposed to do, I'm just going to get in there and do it. But when you go into a place and it's just kind of, oh, here and there, and, and you don't exactly know where you fit, you kind of end up standing around doing nothing. You need boundaries. You need a leader. And so sometimes this is a controversial point, but it's how God set it up. The man has authority. Genesis 3.16 says to the woman, And thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And Genesis 1.8 says to the man, And you shall have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth on the earth. God didn't just say, okay, you're going to have to work, but he gives you dominion over stuff. You actually have control over these things. I mean, it's okay to hunt and to fish. They are just animals. I don't think they have a soul. Like, you know, some people I know, Sister Tracy works at the little pet. No, I'm not saying she doesn't think that, but I'm saying she works at the little pet crematorium. And it is sad. You know, we, we love our animals. And we don't want to be cruel to animals, but it's not the same as a person, okay? God gave man dominion. Uh, Hebrews 12, 5 through 13 says to the children, We have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. 
So you, when you have correction, you, you have a little bit of fear, but it's reverence. You have respect for that. Colossians 3, 20 through 21 says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. But fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. I need my fan. I'm really hot. And so we, uh, it's, it's different. We know there's a difference between discipline and abuse. So you have respect for someone and you demand respect of the, the, the children or whatever, your household, but you do it in a way of love. That's Christ loves the church. And then they're not going to be discouraged, but they're going to be encouraged. First Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. And Pastor Samuel, when he preaches weddings a lot of times, he'll use this scripture, and he talks about the weaker vessel as being like the fine china. You know what? I don't put my fine china in the dishwasher. I have to hand wash it. I have to take care of it. I have to make sure that I'm not going to, I don't know that it's real gold, but if I put it in the dishwasher, the gold comes off. And I want the gold to stay on there. And so that's what the woman is to the man. We're like the fine china. And we have to be treated with care. And we like that. So it's the responsibility of the father to lead, discipline, and provide. And that comes under authority. And I think Abraham is a good example of this. First of all, he led his family because God came to Abraham and he said, I just want you to go. And Abraham just got up and went. He didn't even know where he was going. God said, I'll show you, and everywhere you put your foot, it's going to be yours. And not only did he go, but we know his wife, Sarah, went with him, and his nephew, Lot, and then all of his cattle, and he was a wealthy man, and they all followed Abraham, so he was a leader. And then discipline. We don't really have an example of discipline necessarily from Abraham, but I think about when he offered Isaac on the altar. Isaac was a teenager, by now. So let's just say, you know, Trey, Trey, stand up for a second. How old are you, Trey? 16. So Trey, if Pastor Samuel were to take you and say, hey, I'm going to tie you up and lay you on the altar, would you do that willingly or would you kind of fight him? Well, you might because you know him, right? But if you, I mean, you know, it might not be something really fun. What if he were saying y'all are going to make like a burnt offering and then he tied you up and put you on the altar? He said I might fight him. Okay. (laughs) Thank you, Trey. (laughs) So, I mean, really, I mean, it took some discipline. I mean, Abraham, I mean, Isaac trusted his, it's like Jacob was talking about trust. He trusted his father enough that like, okay. Okay, I guess he knows what he's doing. He's tying me up. Because the Bible doesn't tell like there was this big fight and there's this big, you know, hard to do. It just, I guess he just humbled himself and let his father tie him up. And he was just about to kill him. And the voice of the Lord came and said, Abraham, do not kill your son. And there was a lamb caught in the thicket and they were able to have their sacrifice. And I like to think that when Jesus, God's only son, and God offered him, you know, Abraham, he called Abraham a friend. And no doubt he's like, Abraham was willing to give his son. I'm going to give my son. I think it's a picture of what God did for us. And then provision. Genesis 22:15 through 18. And we use this a lot. This is a promise 
that God made to Abraham. In blessing, I will bless thee. In multiplying, I will multiply thee. Thy seed, in thy seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And Genesis 24, 1 says, the Lord blessed Abraham in all things. So here we have some godly examples of men. We have Joseph, we have Abraham. And then T, the letter T stands for tender. And I know this is hard for a lot of men because, you know, we think, well, men aren't supposed to be like emotional and show their emotions. They're supposed to be tough and manly. But I think that that is too much pressure to put on any person because emotions exist. We went and saw the movie Inside Out yesterday. I was telling them on Wednesday night I wanted to see that cartoon, so we did. And it's kind of a groany cartoon. I mean, it, I thought it was very clever, and it was really sad. I kind of cried in one place. But uh, Disney movies always are. But it was all these emotions going on. And then at the end of the movie, so if you go see it, you have to stay to the end because then it shows the emotions going on in all the minds of, like, the men and the man. And the emotions of a boy and, like, a girl talks to me, like, falls on the floor. It's like, it's a girl, it's a girl, it's a girl. But, uh, and then emotions of a dog and then an emotion of a cat. It was hilarious at the very end because we all had these little emotions in our head. Of course, the cat was just, like, doing their own thing. The emotions were even fighting with each other because they say cats, you know, just do whatever they want. They don't listen to themselves, apparently. But it was really cute. Pretty clever. But this, we have emotions. They're real, and they're part of life. And so I was thinking about who to be an example of this, and I thought, well, I'm going to choose Jesus. Now, we know that Jesus never got married and never had any children. But John chapter 10, verse 30 says, I and my Father are one. And we know that Jesus has all the emotions of his Father, and he has compassion for us. And he loves us just like the Father does, a fatherly love. And Jesus showed emotion. John eleven thirty five, the shortest scripture in the Bible, Jesus wept. He showed emotion. This was at the death of his friend, Lazarus. And time and time again we read that Jesus was moved with compassion. And he had mercy. And he, he wanted to hear the, uh, the troubles of the people, and he was able to fix, and he was able to help, and he was able to tell them to go and sin no more. He was an emotional person, and we know we want to be like Jesus. So it's okay to show emotions. The letter H stands for being humble. I want you to be humble. It, sometimes it's hard to be humble, but we need to be able to admit and learn from our mistakes. First uh, Peter 5.5 5 says, Be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. And we all want grace overshadowing our lives. We want to be humble. And I choose Jacob for the example for humility. In the Bible, Jacob had a brother Esau. And Jacob deceived his brother. And he deceived his father. And then his mom sent him away to find a wife. Because he, has, he kind of burned all his bridges at home. So he made some mistakes. And then when he got there to get his wife, guess what? His father-in-law deceived him. So sometimes you do reap what you sow. Most of the time you reap what you sow. But after several years, Jacob was ready to return home. He had both, he had two wives and all his children, and he's ready to go face his brother. And he was scared because the last he heard, his brother wanted him dead. 
And so here he is. He's going back to face his past. In Genesis 32, 20, he sent a servant ahead, and he said, Tell my brother Esau, behold, your servant Jacob is behind me. In other words, he's like, I'm coming as a servant. I'm not coming as an equal, as your brother. I'm not coming as some big, strong camp, which he had. He had a lot of people with him. He said, I'm coming as a servant. He humbled himself. And then Genesis 33, 3 says, He bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. And then his brother just embraced him and kissed him and they wept. He's like, why did you stay away so long? He loved him, but he was humble. If he had come in there high, mighty, I'm sure there would have been a fight. But because he came in there with humility, there was love and acceptance. So we need to be able to be humble and to make peace with with people who have something against us. The letter E stands for encourager. I think it's a father's job to encourage his family, to compliment and build up your wife and kids. Um, and to tell them things that can build them up through their circumstances. Exodus seventeen fourteen says, Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. So when Moses was fixing to be gone, he's like, rehearse this in the ears of Joshua because Joshua was the next leader. So fathers, you need to rehearse in the ears of your children all the things that have happened in your life. Give them examples of trials and tribulations and triumphs so that they can see the mighty hand of God. Maybe they won't have to make the same mistakes that you've made because you share with them these things. Give them examples of God's grace and love and mercy and build their faith. Joshua four twenty one through 24 says, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? This is when they put the stones in the middle of the Jordan. He said, you tell them we crossed over on dry land that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and they might fear the Lord their God forever. So it only takes one generation to forget about the Lord. So if I know God, but I never tell it to my children, then their kids are not going to know. Because I didn't pass it on to them. And they just, they, if you have no knowledge, you're ignorant of it. You just don't know. But it only takes one generation to remember also. So we need to be that generation that rehearses it in the ears of our children. And tell them again and again and again how much the Lord loves them. And that he is mighty and he is forever. And then our, my last point, is repentant. Um, it's never too late to start over. You need to be able to start fresh every day, make better choices, and take one day at a time. And I chose King David as my example for a repentant heart. Because we know that David, he messed up a lot. <laughs> but he was still called a man after God's own heart. We know King David committed adultery. He committed murder. He... Uh, he was just always kind of messing up as he, as he grew up. And uh, he needed repentance, and he constantly turned back to the Lord. But he had a battle within his family. And if, I really love reading in Samuel and the Kings about the story of David. But, you know, he was the king, and so his family was constantly in battle for the throne. 
And one of his sons actually killed another son, a brother. And um, it says that Absalom, he killed his brother Amnon. And 2 Samuel 13, 37 said, And Absalom fled, and David mourned for his son every day. So even though Absalom had done a terrible thing, David still mourned for him because he loved him. He was still his son. Absalom staged a rebellion and a conspiracy against his father. And as he was in the middle of this, he was actually riding through the forest on his mule, and the boughs of the tree were low, and it caught him in his neck. And actually, he hung himself by accident because his mule kept going, and he couldn't go. And 2 Samuel 18.33 says, The king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, thus he said, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. So here his son was trying to stage a coup and overtake the kingdom. And when he died, David's like, I wished it were me. And I know that's a father's heart. You know, um, well, I wrote this in my notes and I wanted to tell it. So um, two years ago, we were on our uh, family vacation. Y'all all know the story. You know, my sister lost her two fingers on the pontoon boat accident when she went in the water. Her hand went on the rail. So they're actually in litigation right now, and, and things are looking good for them. So, But anyway, on the boat, I remember, because we were all there, my family of four and my sister her husband, three girls, and my mom and dad. And we've hardly ever done a family vacation like that. And I don't know that we ever will again. But um, so daddy is holding my sister's hand. And it's all wrapped in the towel with the pressure on it to stop to keep the bleeding under control. And he just kept saying, I wish it was me. I wish it was me. And he might not even remember saying that. But I remember him saying that. And, you know, that's a daddy's heart. And that's what I thought about when I read King David. Oh, Absalom, my son, Absalom, I wish I would have died instead of you. You know, and so it's, it's never too late to show love for your children or for your spouse or for your family. And, and we need to have that kind of love where we're willing. I mean, Jesus said, what greater love than this hath a man then he laid down his life for his friends. You know, and so we need to be willing to give of ourselves that much. But um, we can, I'm, I'm t- we can, I'm talking to fathers, so I don't want to say we, you can <laughs> be that father. David made many mistakes, but still called a man after God's own heart. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to love God, love your family, and live a life of repentance. And so I want to kind of close with part of Psalm 51. David wrote Psalm 51 after uh, he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband Uriah killed. And then Nathan the prophet came to him and called him out on it. And Nathan was like, oh. I mean, David was just, he was just rent at his heart. He, he knew he was wrong. 
and he was so repentant, and he wrote Psalm 51. So I want to encourage everybody, that's your homework, always give homework, read Psalm 51 this week and try to apply it to your life. But I want to ask all the fathers to stand, and we're just going to read three verses together, verse 10, verse 11, and verse 12. And I'm just going to, I'll go first, and you should repeat after me. We're going to make it a prayer for us this morning. Because we want to be that example, that shining light. Y'all do such a wonderful job. You know, you always say when we're in here, we're preaching to the choir. But we just want to be um, better. We can all improve. We can all be better, a better me. You don't need to compare yourself to anybody else. Just work on being the best you that you can be. Because God gave you your family. You are exactly what they need. And he's going to use you in their lives. So let's just, let's just make this our prayer today. And just repeat after me. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. And take not the Holy Spirit from me, but restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Amen. You may be seated. Pastor Samuel, I'm going to turn it back to you. Oh, great job, Sister Amy. Ooh, that's my fine china right there. Fine China. <laughs> I want to be a better father, better husband, better man, better pastor. And we just have to, just that prayer right there every day, creating me a clean heart. Amen. Happy Father's Day. We love you. Uh, Jamie's coming to close us out. And uh, we're just so honored that you're here today. Go out. Be blessed. Bless your dad. Uh, you know, I, I, I miss my daddy. I was talking to my cousin this morning. And uh, I said, well, you're going to miss him. There's so many times I'm doing something. I go, I wish I could ask daddy that. I don't know how to do something. That's how I learned it. If I, you know, I, I would ask daddy. And if daddy didn't know, we'd figure it out. I was, I was putting the chandelier up. And I asked daddy, daddy, will this wire shock me? He said, no, I don't think so. And I touched it. It almost knocked me off of the scaffold. He said, well, I didn't think it would. <laughs> so some things we learned together. And, uh, but uh, we were putting in a toilet. He said, son, don't tighten that too tight. You're going to break it. And I tightened it one more. He said, here, let me do it. And he tightened it one. It broke. He said, see, I told you it'd break. <laughs> so uh, good memories. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So I have good memories. And uh, you'll have some good memories. I have some good memories of some switches, too. He uh, laid some stripes upon my back. But you know what? I deserved every one of them. And it helped me be who I am today. Where, real quickly, Jamie, before you come, you can help me. Where's uh, Aaron and Nathan? Come on, guys. Come real quickly. Let's uh, me and Jamie and uh, Jacob run over here. Won't you just come? And uh, these guys are leaving. Come on, come on Brother Cody. Uh, these guys, yeah, come on to you. They're, they're, they're leaving for outreach. Leaving in the morning. Going to be gone for how long? Five weeks. 
And they're going to go spread the gospel, the good news. We're so proud of Aaron. Aaron, all the Aaron's money came in. Amen. You helped, and everybody helped. We thank God for that. And uh, but uh, just stretch your hands out toward these men. Let's call them blessed. Father, I thank you for the anointing of God, the call of God, the purpose of God. And Lord, as they go out to do the work of God, I pray that you would bless their hands, bless their labor. Lord, as they go tomorrow, I pray that you would protect them traveling, give them safety. I pray, Lord, that you just give their team, Lord, just a unity. And Lord, as they go to work, I pray that, Lord, you will just lead them to the right people. I pray you give them souls. Lord, for these five weeks, we just pray, Lord, that your kingdom be expanded. And we pray they'll come back with testimonies of the goodness of God. Enlarge their heart. And Lord, just show them. Give them vision. Open your word to them. Father, I pray that they their hands are your hands extended. Let them lay hands on the sick and they recover. Cast out devils. Raise the dead. Lord, let them go forth and do the work you've called them to do. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Bless them. Amen. We just got a couple announcements this morning. Uh, again, parents of uh, kids in the youth group uh, leaving at 10 o'clock this Thursday morning, so please have them there by 945. Uh, and don't forget the $5 bills for uh, lunch for uh, on the way there and on the way back. Uh, tomorrow night is Manor House, so volunteers, if you want to show up at 6 o'clock to help sack groceries, uh, the public's welcome at 630. Uh, if you want to find out more about that, you can see uh, Brother Bob and Sister Joan Zern. Uh, we did have a few birthdays and anniversaries this week as well. Uh, happy birthday today to uh, Brother Clint Hobbs. Also tomorrow to Brittany Bauer uh, and Alexander Avaloa. Uh, also happy birthday on the 23rd to Alita Adair. The 24th to Miss Schuyler King. Uh, the 26th to Heath Richardson. And the 27th to Sabrina Baldwin-Moore and Nikki Jones. And also happy anniversary uh, tomorrow to James and Gidget Cooper. And on the 25th to Cody and Queen Henson. So everybody give them a round of applause. Happy birthday, happy anniversary. All right, let us go ahead and pray. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord cause his face to shine upon thee and be gracious to thee. Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. He said, put my name upon him and I'll bless him. So Father, right now I just put the name of Jesus upon each person in here. Keep them safe this week and bring them back safely next week. Bless all the fathers we have, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.